is get your onions here, folks. God's own chosen vegetable. Nature's magic vegetables right here, folks. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. I am joined this morning by not one, but two brilliant minds from the world of minor league baseball branding. We're going to be talking about the amateur level, the collegiate summer level Walla Walla Suites from the West Coast League. And I'm joined by the team's original general manager, Zachary Frazier, and designer extraordinaire. Listeners of this podcast will know Dan Simon of Studio Simon, who created the logo. Zachary and Dan, both of you here at once. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Excited to uh, go back into the memory bank and uh, have some fun reliving a really cool part of my life. Yeah, and I'm I'm doing well as well. Thank you. And I'm I'm looking forward to this. Um, I look I, I enjoy being on the podcast in any capacity, but uh, this is now the second time, just the second time that we will have done a duet. Well, actually, the first time it was a whatever four people are together. Yeah. Uh, a quartet. quartet. There you go. Oh, yeah. A quartet. This is a duet, but it's the normally you do separate segments with the front office people, with the design, and then with the designers. And I'm looking forward to actually talking about this identity together with Zachary because um, it's getting. Normally, I like to say it's getting the band back together, but in this case, it's <laughs> the duet back together. So, well, we're like eighty some episodes into the podcast now, so it's uh, you know it's it's good to mix it up a little bit and do some do some different things. So. Let's talk about the Walla Walla Suites here. Their initial season was in 2010. Zachary, you were the general manager at the time they were founded in 2010. What was the impetus for naming a collegiate summer level baseball team after onions? What do what do what do sweet onions have to do with Walla Walla Washington? Well, sweet onions are the uh, the flagship of Walla Walla Washington. There's uh, we were living in Seattle at the time, um, and I. Frankly, I'd never heard of Walla Walla, with the exception of the fact that the quarterback for my football team, which is the Buffalo Bills, was Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe grew up in Walla Walla, played, um, played high school football there. And uh, so that was my only connection to Walla Walla was the knowledge of Drew Bledsoe. And I, I was in um, the offices of the Seattle Storm. That's where I was working at the time. And uh, a friend of mine named Kelly Nye came in and said, do you know anything about Walla Walla? And I said, I know very little about Walla Walla and she started to give me a little, she's from Washington. So started to give me a little bit of history. Uh, the Walla Walla sweet, the actual vegetable is the official state vegetable of, of the state of Washington. Um, and uh, it is unique because it's the only place in the entire country where the, the onion can grow the way that it grows. Right. And, and so there's a very distinct and very uh, uh, unique flavor, a great flavor of a sweet onion um, very different than the Visalia onion, very different than the, uh, uh, the, excuse me, the Vidalia onion, I think is mm. what it's called. Um, so it, anyway, it's, it's a very unique flavor. Uh, and it, for a long time, it, the, the town of Walla Walla was known for the, its onions and the state penitentiary, right? That those were the two things that you knew Walla Walla for. So, um, which by the way, Dan uh, could have helped you with, I mean, Dan has made logos out of bananas and penitentiary so we we have oh we've we've got a fun story about the banana conversation so um no i that and i knew i knew right away i mean i've known dan now for 
almost 20 years. Um, and as soon as we decided to say yes to the opportunity in Walla Walla, um, the first person I called was Dan. And, and within probably 48 hours of our conversations together, we had settled on the fact that the suites would be um, the right way to go as far as a name. And then then we started working together on the brand. Well, so Dan, you obviously, I mean, we just referenced the bananas. You have created logos out of produce before. This one predates that, obviously. This was 2010 and the bananas weren't until uh, considerably later. Had you had you had a challenge like this before to take to take something as non-threatening as an onion? I mean, I guess it's non-threatening, right? I mean, there's certain it's got certain sort of uh, intimidating qualities for uh, people who are chopping them anyway. But to uh, you know, to to create a a baseball logo, a logo for a, a sports team out of produce like a sweet onion. Well, this was. Uh... This was not my my first dance when it with regard to produce. Um, you know, I had done the Modesto nuts. Oh yeah, I had done the Cedar Rapids kernels. Of course. Uh, trying to think if there were any others at the time. There certainly have been since, including another Zachary Frazier um, team, the Yakima Pippins. So Yakima Valley, Yakima Valley. Pippins. I'm sorry, Yakima. Sorry, Yakima Valley yep. Pippins. My bad. So yeah, yeah I, I've. Uh, I've, I've encountered that before. Um, and frankly, it's, I, I, maybe this is a, a big, um, generalization, but I kind of find working with produce to be especially fun because it's just funny when you take an inanimate, any inanimate object, but frankly, something, you know, apples, peaches, onions, nuts, et cetera, et cetera, and turn them into living things. It's just, it's funny to me and enjoyable. So um, I had done it before, but was happy to do it again. Zachary, this team uh, set in 2010, they set the uh, West Coast League record for attendance with uh, 40,461 fans. That's just a fact that I know. I just carry that fact around with me. So I'm glad we <laughs> finally get to talk about it. So 40,000 fans in 28 home games for a collegiate summer level team in the West Coast League, right? Like that's, that's those are great numbers. How much did the did the brand play a part in that? And how much of it was other factors, uh, location, ballpark, et cetera? Well, I, I think the question, that's a loaded question, right? Because brand <laughs> is not just the logo. Sure. Um, brand is is all of the things that you mentioned. Brand is how easy it is it for a fan to get into the stadium. The brand is how the community uh, connects with the marks that that represent the logo. Um, so I, the answer is all of the above. Um, it, it also, frankly, it was that we had a really great team that first year, not, not necessarily on the field, but a great front office team and a great uh, coaching staff who immediately bought into what we were trying to create well well is 30,000 people like it's not a you know most summer collegiate teams exist in markets where minor league baseball used to exist mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and doesn't anymore but they still have the the infrastructure of a minor league city 100,000 150,000 people um, you know airports things that that make it easier for a baseball team to do business mm -hmm. um, certainly corporate partnership uh, base companies that are based there things like that Walla Walla doesn't really have that. Um, mm -hmm. Walla Walla is a small farming town. And, and by small, I mean 
it's the same 30,000 people now that it was 15 years ago. It's grown, I think, 1% in the last decade. So, mm-hmm. um, so to have uh, a community rally behind a brand like that and rally behind, and they took that brand that we created, they took that experience that we started and they, they made it their own. Uh, so I think t- the answer to your original question is it's all of the above. Um, and then a, a front office staff that really hustled and knocked on a lot of doors and invited a lot of people to come into the ballpark that summer. So, well, and I'll stay with you, Zachary, on this one here. The the at the time that this came out, you know, we were knee deep in the you know the wacky era of minor league baseball logos, right? Like we there was a lot of um, you know increasingly sort of goofy nicknames and that the, there was a war of escalation going on. I feel like that is still probably happening to this day, but it was mostly at the, at the affiliated level or, you know, at, at the very least the independent professional level, you didn't see a lot of collegiate summer level teams investing in working with a designer like Dan and investing in creating a, a, a really strong visual brand, a visual identity. What was your thinking in terms of establishing a strong visual brand for the organization when it wasn't necessarily expected at the collegiate summer level? My experience there was rooted in our the first project that Dan and I worked on together, which was the Orem Owls, uh, mm-hmm. which was a minor league team in the Pioneer League um, in uh, Orem, Utah. Listeners of this podcast will know that as the owls with a Z. Yes, owls with a Z. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and I had the the benefit of being the the one of the first co one of the first GMs, the first GM, the first co GM with the Orm Owls back in two thousand and five, and we had just gone through a rebrand. Uh, previously, in two thousand and four, we had been the Provo Angels. I was the play by play broadcaster for the Angels, and uh, I had the uh, interesting experience of being the probably the first broadcaster to go from being broadcaster to GM of a minor league team. And yeah, that's, a, that's a, not a normal uh, career path, but uh, I had the opportunity to work with Dan. And that was the first opportunity that I had to learn from him um, the importance of really creating a fan experience around the brand, right? Not just, it's not just a hat. It's not just a Jersey. It's not just a t-shirt that you're selling in the store. What's what is the story that we're telling? Whether it's uh, keep in mind in 0405, we didn't really have websites. Like websites were a thing, but they weren't what they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no such thing as a mobile app. There wasn't uh, um, there wasn't any of the the digital kind of activations that we have now. So so much of what the experience was going to be for the fan was walking up to the stadium. What did they first see? What did they first smell? Um, what do they first hear? Uh, what's the what is that first impression that they have when they're waiting in line to buy a ticket? What's the first impression they have when they go to use the bathroom? Um, what's the, uh, how comfortable is their seat? What's the sight line look like? And, and that doesn't typically apply to the art that is the, the logo, but um, he was the one that taught me that's all of, all of that goes into the logo, right? Mm-hmm. He, he was the one that taught me about the O'Malley family walking Dodger stadium um, and wanting it so clean that you could eat a hot dog if it fell on the ground, right? Like <laughs> that type of that type of experience being the product, uh, it, I learned from Dan. And so when when we had that experience in doing and building that brand together with Forum, um, and I was young, I was 24 years old when I was the GM there. So uh, taking that 
that time and that experience and then applying it to Walla Walla. Um, that was, that was really the root of why we went the route of working with Dan and, and doing what we did there. And then Walla Walla is a very different experience in Orm. We, we opened a brand new stadium, right? Mm-hmm. In Walla Walla, we took a stadium that had been built in 1926 and outside of a few high school football games and a few division three college baseball games each year really hadn't been touched in 30 or 40 years. And mm-hmm. so, um, how, how do we reimagine, how do we, how do we renovate and reimagine a, a baseball experience for a town that hadn't seen something like this since the early eighties? Sure. So Dan, when you're enlisted to help create that, you know, part of that experience with a visual brand, what are, and you know, you know, I love this, this question, what are the challenges, right? Like you're, you are handed a project of let's, let's create a brand based on sweet onions what are the first things you do when you sit down with your pencil and paper and, and start on that project? In in this case, well, maybe in all cases, one of the, when it comes to things like inanimate objects and, and specifically produces is what is, or are the, the identifiable features of this item that you're working with that without it, you're not going to accurately um replicate the the look of this thing and in the case of an onion you know it's it's basically round in shape i i I guess there are some onions that might be a little more oval but it's basically round um so you've got that shape but the the thing that you you have that's to me the most identifiable is um the the top of it which i don't even know if there's a word for it but i actually had a friend who would wear her hair up (laughs) instead of like in a ponytail she would like wear it up like right on the top of her head and put a band around it and her sister said she looked like an onion when she put her hair up like that so (laughs) that's the thing i'm describing so um somehow when you needed to get that in there when you go and you um buy an onion at the grocery store they no longer really have that i don't Mm. know why that is maybe but when when they grow they've got that thing on the top but Mm -hmm. like somebody's hair i'm googling it now and for an onion it looks like you might call that you might call it the center stalk okay well there you go the center stalk so that you know that needed to be in the artwork um there are also some you know vertical striations if that's the right word in an onion and i felt that was an important um um detail that needed to be in so this thing didn't just look like a weird ball but rather specifically an onion so um i don't i wouldn't call that so much of a challenge as it was here's what you need to um include so that when somebody sees this they get right away that it's an onion when you think about it or even if you don't think about it, and onion had, as far as I know, had never been used in a baseball logo before. Um, you don't see it in many other logos outside of baseball. So it's not something people are used to seeing in logo form. So you need to do a good job to make sure that it reads quickly. <laughs> see, now Zachary's participating in the chat over here. Zachary, you can just jump right in with this stuff here. It's uh, There's no raising hands. I want to make sure that we're uh, we're creating good audio. It's it's called people. So. Zach says in the chat it's called bolting when an onion grows its center stalk. So <laughs> so I I enjoy that. All right, the you know so Dan when you talk about creating the sort of it is recognizable immediately as an onion in the primary logo the full logo with the script uh, and the, you know the team name and and all 
you only see half the onion. You only see the top half of the onion. So for it to be identifiable, and it is immediately identifiable as an onion, uh, but even the name itself, it's uh, it's the team is not the sweet onions, it's the sweets. Zachary, I'll ask you this question. Is that a typical name for, is that what they are calling sweet onions in Walla Walla? Yeah, you don't say sweet onions. You say it's a Walla Walla sweet, right? So that's okay. uh, um, when, again, prior to the baseball team coming around, the Walla Walla sweet was just, that was immediately known as the world's best onion. So okay. um, it's like cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. It's with or without. You don't say with or without onions. Correct. Exactly. Correct. Okay. All right. So Zachary, when this, uh, obviously, you know, as, as Dan said, there, there are probably no other uh, onion based sports teams out there. May, uh, you know, I'd love to hear about it if there are, how was this, you know, unusual nickname received by the community in Walla Walla when, when it was unveiled. So I, I'm going to unveil, it's not a, dirty little secret it's just a it's kind of a, t a little it's in the archives of team history dan and i started working on this project in middle of august of 2009 um i moved my family to walla walla by the end of august of 2009 and middle of september we launched a fan poll uh to name the team um now we were lucky that the number of votes that uh came out uh favored the Walla Walla Suites as the team name. Mm -hmm. And it was something in the neighborhood of two to one or three to one in favor of uh, the Suites. Because by the time that the fan poll had already finished, we were already applying for the trademark and the brand had already been finished. Um, so I was lucky that um, another name, and I bluntly, I can't remember what the options that we had in the, in the poll, but uh, I, I remember being very grateful that the fan poll re reflected the work that we had already spent two months uh, putting together. So I was, I was great. Hey, bottom line is, is my partners would have been pretty upset if we had spent all this money to develop a brand <laughs> and turn up the fans, uh, pick something else. So, um, but uh, I, I, the first board meeting I ever had, Michael Thompson, who's uh, Michael is the chairman and uh, majority owner of the Tacoma Rainiers now. Um, he, uh, he looked at me like I had lost my mind. Um, <laughs> Terry, uh, Terry Gillespie kind of chuckled. Uh, Terry is uh, one of our one of the partners um, and is uh, the spouse of John Stanton, who's the was the lead investor in this experience. Um, John, I think, didn't believe that that was the path we were going to go. I think he looked a little incredulous when uh, when we said that that was the team name that we wanted to to move with. Um, then my first sales job with that group and that with the team was selling my investors that this was going to be the name that we should use um, and that it would prove to be successful. Uh, and for the first year, I was a little nervous that, uh, that the, this group of, and, and phenomenal investors, mentors, people that taught me a lot uh, over, over 11 years of working together. Um, they trusted me but I don't know if they trusted me wholeheartedly. I think that they were a little nervous that, uh, that I was uh, going to lose my mind there. So um, it, it ended up working out. Uh, the first launch, um, we, we actually held it at my son's elementary school, Sharpstein Elementary School. And my son was a kindergartner at the time. Keep in mind, we weren't from Walla Walla. Like we just had moved there. Um, and, and one of the benefits of a small town is that you get to know everybody. One of the challenges of a small town is if you're not from that small town, Mm -hmm. It's it's difficult to get integrated um, or can be difficult to get integrated. Uh, and so 
the reason we held the press conference at my son's school was a little bit selfish in, in motivation. He was a kindergartner and I wanted him to look cool in front of uh, the rest of the school. And uh, we approached the, we approached the principal of the school and said, Hey, we, this is our idea. Can we do a school assembly? Um, most press conferences are either poorly attended um, or a little bit of a joke, right? right. Um, they're, they're not really, at the major league level, they're super serious and very important. Uh, at the minor league level, they don't tend to deliver the way that uh, that we would hope that they would deliver. And part of that is because um, you know you might get one or two newspapers and maybe a TV camera to show up. So uh, in this case, I said, well, what if we create a school assembly and and have uh, four or five hundred kids there um, to welcome the team? And uh, and she agreed. I was surprised that she agreed, but um, she agreed. We had a third grader, uh, a young woman who ended up working in our concession stands later on, by the way, um, sing, or no, she was a fifth grader that year, sorry. Fifth grader sing the national anthem. Um, we had the whole school sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Um, <laughs> and we had 500-ish, uh, 500, something like that, uh, elementary school kids uh, screaming and waving rally towels um, as we introduced the, the backdrop and the team name. And uh, so that, so in terms of the reception and how we rolled it out and what that first step out of the gate was, um, it, it proved to be something that immediately solidified us as um, not just a little baseball team that might have a couple hundred people going to it every night. This, this, the, it, the launch gave our town a reason to rally around the brand Um and it's it's hard not to get excited when 500 kids are screaming and waving rally <laughs> towels and singing "Taking Out to the Ball Game." So, well, I mean, who loves onions more than kids, right? Like, so it's um, I'm glad glad I, that. I, I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure most kids don't love onions, but <laughs> in this particular case, they uh, they really got behind it. Dan, this one's for you. I know that the mascot is named Sweet Lou. Uh, I'm wondering when you look <laughs> at this character here. Uh, is is there any inspiration or are there any players we're drawing from is there you know what are we what are we looking at for sweet lou here as a as a player himself i see sweet lou as a lefty for sure dan can i answer that question just because you don't <laughs> i don't know if you know the story there let's hear it oh, I, please go ahead it. okay so let's go back to that press conference at sharpstein elementary school and uh, we decide after we name the team and we have the league commissioner there we have john stanton michael thompson uh jeff cirillo uh, Jeff, who played in the big leagues for, I think, 14, 15 years, was yeah. one of our partners. Um, they're all up on, we're all up on the podium. And uh, after about 15 minutes of initial introduction, we decide we're going to open the, the floor up for questions from students. And so there's a mic set up and this little kid comes walking up. And the first question out of the gate was, uh, what is the mascot's name? Well, the one question that I had not prepared an answer for was the mascot's name. I, I talked about, you know, I prepared answers to the questions of what we're going to do with stadium renovations and what the West Coast League is all about and how these players get from the West Coast League to the big leagues and all these other things that I thought were the most important. For a fourth grader, they don't care. They care about the name of the mascot, right? So he asks the question and I'm on the, on the fly, come up, I say, uh, Sweet Lou because I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for it at that point in time. <laughs> now, the fun, the fun connection there is Jeff Cirillo played for the Seattle Mariners. Um, and it's documented, so I don't really have a problem talking about this. Uh, Jeff and, and Lou Pinella did not 
have the best player manager relationship. And, and I think that it's fair to say that Luke Pinello, you either loved him as a manager or you hated him as a manager. There wasn't a lot of in between. And, uh, and in this particular case, Jeff and Lou didn't have a great experience together in the dugout at, uh, in, in uh, Seattle. And so there's a picture on the front page of the Union Bulletin when I'm announcing this name. And you see Jeff Cirillo going, oh, like rolling his <laughs> eyes back and rolling his head back. Um, and uh, because what bluntly, we had no intent of naming the mascot Sweet Lou. That was not um, that was. I had thought that that would be a project we would develop later on in the first season. And uh, turns out that, that question just locked it in and the crap, like the kids went crazy. And I was like, okay, well, I guess he's sweet Lou now. We can't change that name. So. That is terrific. I really enjoy that. With regard to that. Um, I, 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 this has been established, maybe not on your podcast, but on Anna's uh, baseball bucket list podcast. I'm a, I was born in the Bronx. I'm a lifelong Yankee fan. Um, and so I, and given that I am a man of a certain age, um, I, I watched Lou Pinello when he's with the Yankees. I also became, um, when I was working with the, the, the Los Angeles Dodgers, I got to know, um, a player named Lou Johnson, who was otherwise kind of a journeyman baseball player, but he played, um, with several teams, the, um, the the California Angels, Chicago Cubs, Cleveland Indians, Montreal Expos, but he also played for three years with, with the Dodgers. And even though he was probably a name that even a lot of baseball fans don't know, he, um, he shined in one of the World Series. I don't remember if it was, I think it was the 66 series, maybe 65. Uh, Sandy Koufax ended up winning the the MVP award for that world series, but it easily could have gone to Lou Johnson. That was his, he shined at the right time. Um, and if you're named Lou in baseball, you're going to get the nickname sweet Lou. Um, Lou Pinello was known as sweet Lou. All of us, all we Yankee fans called him that Lou Johnson was sweet Lou. So really, even though, um, uh, Zachary came off with that just off the top of his head because he was kind of, he, he was put in, in a position where he had to come up with something and quick. Um, it really is the natural solution to what are you going to call um, the mascot for the Walla Walla Suites? Yeah. Uh, Dan, I may have to come to you for my, I, uh, I have plans to start a uh, religious themed uh, dairy shop, which I'm going to call Sweet Baby Cheeses. And so I may need to come to you for uh, for a similar logo for Sweet Baby Cheeses, um, and then and then we may have to workshop my Christmas themed buffet that I'm going to start. Oh, come stuff your face full! So uh, I'll be I'll be coming to you for some more food based logos. I think in the in the in the near future. In the meantime, this has been so much fun. Uh, I really enjoyed having this conversation with both of you. I, I we said before we started recording, it's been. 13 years since you all had seen each other in person. And, and I realized that this is not uh, in person, but it's been a 20, long time. Almost 20 years, almost 20 years in person. Um, wow. The last time I saw Dan in person was in 06 at the uh, Dallas winter meetings uh, for minor, for professional baseball. So amazing. Uh, yeah. Dan, did you eat any onions as part of your research for this logo? Um, I actually... I love onions and I love sweet onions. And I'm not just saying that because I work on it. I am a big fan of onions, raw, cooked, otherwise. 
Um, I, I eat them regular regularly every every week with what what I cook for dinner. So um, uh, I didn't need to get up to speed on onions when I did this uh, when I did this. <laughs> See, everyone thinks Anna Di Tommaso's podcast baseball bucket list makes listeners cry but i think now that this one is going to really make people cry so, so paul let me let me let me interject here uh onions uh sweet onions don't make people cry they're they're that's one of the distinguishing qualities of a sweet onion versus a yellow or a white onion is that the amount of water and i think it's nitrate that's in the onion makes it so sweet that you can eat it like an apple um, and in fact one of our first in our first season, first two seasons, we had an on-field promotion where we had a bucket of uh, ice bucket of apples and onions. And the reason apples, the, the one of the largest apple orchards in the world is in, uh, located in Walla Walla County, uh, Brochie Orchard. So it's just outside. It's not as, it's not on the postcards the way that onions are. But uh, uh, so we had this thing where you had to dunk your head in a bucket of water and pull out apples and, and onions. And Jim Capel, who was a columnist for ESPN at the time, uh, decided to do a series on baseball in the Pacific Northwest. And the first story in that series was about the Walla Walla Sweets. And there's a picture of Jim dunking his head in the uh, bucket. And as he comes out, he's pulling out an onion with his mouth. And he turns around, he takes a bite of the onion like he's eating an apple. So that's... that's uh, one of the, the cool things about a Wild Wild Sweet is it doesn't make you cry like a yellow or like a white onion. And in fact, it uh, is so good that you can just take a bite out of it. I, I can't say I've ever tried that, but, uh, you know, maybe maybe that's on my next trip to the Pacific Northwest, which is a regular thing with my daughter going to Gonzaga University now. Maybe I should uh, find a way to go take a bite of a, of a sweet onion, of a Walla Walla Sweet. That's right. That's right. Make sure you get down there. So, uh, Spokane and Walla are about two hours apart from one another. So it's a okay. pretty easy drive to, through the Palouse to get there. So, Dan, you look like you had something to say. Yeah, um, because it's been almost 14 years since we started working working on this um, brand identity development. Um, I when I was coming up with the when I was looking for a direction for the Studio Simon Stumper, I was doing some research to reacquaint myself with uh, Walla Walla sweet onions and everything behind them. And one of the things I, I learned, so I'm not an expert on this, but uh, I, I have access to the internet. And one of the things that I learned is it's a, a lack of sulfur, of all things, that- um, That's right. That's that right. is what makes for a sweet onion. It's the sulfur that that adds that, I guess, acidity. It might be the right word to to an onion, and that's the more sulfur in an onion, like a regular white onion or a yellow onion. Um, that's what makes you. That's what makes you cry. And Walla Walla sweets do have a lack of that. Maybe there are some in there, but a, a much lesser uh, sulfur content. I know enough about onions to sound intelligent. Dan actually has the right information. So, Well, now my head is spinning about the forthcoming Studio Simon Stumper later on in this episode. In the meantime, Zachary, thank you so much for being here. This was this was a total blast to, to feature this team. Where can people find you and or the sweets online? So sweets are still online at wallawallasweets.com. Um, and they have uh, a great store. Uh, Cody Miller is their GM. He, uh, 
I think he's the fourth GM in team history. So um, great, great young man who started with us as an intern, I think in 2016 and has, uh, has taken the, the torch when I, after I left after the, the 2019 season and has, has done a nice job. He, to give Cody some credit, he, he kept that thing afloat during the pandemic um, in a way that a lot of others probably would not have been able to. So, um, so make sure you check him out on Wallwall, at wallwallsuites.com. We currently live in uh, Central California. I, I work for Learfield and we run the multimedia rights property for Fresno State and their athletic department. So um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me at ZacharyBFraser.com. So there's a couple different ways you can get a hold of me. Zachary, thank you so much. It, this has been a blast. Dan, I'll talk to you in a few moments uh, for Studio Simon Stumpers. See you in a little bit. Dan, it's great to see you. And Paul, thank you very much. All right, everyone, welcome back. I am so pleased to be joined right now by Nathan Castaldi of Castaldi Family Farms in Walla Walla, Washington, who is a sweet onion farmer. Nathan, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Glad to be here. We are talking by phone right now because you are out making deliveries of the products that you farm, the the Walla Walla sweet onions. So can you tell me how, how you ended up in this business of, of uh, farming sweet onions? Well, my family's been farming for almost 100 years now. Uh, I'm fourth generation, and I just uh, – it wasn't my, you know, original intent to be a farmer, but I was just going out with my dad all the time, and I enjoyed it. And I just <laughs> wanted to awesome. keep going with it. That's fantastic. So what yeah. makes what makes the Walla Walla Sweet Onion special? Uh, well, it can only be grown in the Walla Walla area, but the biggest part, I believe, is, our, is you know, our soil. It's something special about it. You can't really – duplicated anywhere and the climate is, has its own special climate so, so you're out like i said well you're out doing deliveries right now yeah. how many how many onions do you produce in a year uh, on the farm uh well right now we're producing upwards of about you know 1800 pounds an acre and we have 15 acres so <laughs> I can't really do the math right now. <laughs> so you said it's your you, your dad, and your uncle. Uh, yeah. Is, are you yeah. doing most of that that work yourself? Yeah, we do. We have a we have a crew that comes in and helps us harvest and and sack up. But we we do all the pipe moving. We do all the spraying, the marketing, the delivering, the selling, all that. We do it all ourselves. What makes the 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 like the flavor or what is it that's different about the Walla Walla sweet from like other onions? I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado. I go to the grocery store. You know, you've got the yellow onions, the red onions. What's different about your onions? If I go to Walla Walla, Washington, and I have an onion, what's what's different about it? So it's just got more juice in it. Like there's more moisture in them. So like the bigger, they got some big thick rings on them that make really good onion rings, and it just helps. I believe the so I believe it helps make them what they are. So and we actually personally, we go through and we select our seed from year to year. So the seed that we sell is ours. Like it's not something we buy and resell. So it's it's developed from what our our sweet onion is, is the Castoldi sweet onion. <laughs> okay. And who who are you making these deliveries to? Who are your, your clients? Who are your customers? So we have fruit stands all over the area, grocery stores, uh, we have a couple of convenience stores that we actually deliver to that sell. So 
when the when the you you say you're fourth generation obviously Walla Walla Sweets are a big part of your life and your family when the baseball team came to town and they were called the Walla Walla Sweets how was that received in the community that was pretty exciting you know I I thought that was pretty cool that they were willing to do that um, yeah have you been to a game I have been to a couple games it's kind of hard for me to get in there during harvest but yeah that makes yeah. sense. But it's uh, they're fun to go to. Uh, it's really exciting to see them here and play in. What is yeah. it? What is it about the the onion that you think that makes it good as like a baseball mascot? Like, what is it about a Walla Walla Sweet Onion that like? Is there a certain quality to that onion where you're like, yeah, I wouldn't want to face that onion on a baseball field? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're pretty big and hard, so you know, like might make you cry. <laughs> <laughs> but these Walla Walla Sweets don't. So if I come to Walla Walla and I have an onion, what am I having it with? Am I just eating it like an apple or like what you are you eating it? If you're having one of ours, you can eat it like an apple. Oh, man. <laughs> but I love them on burgers and onion rings and just sauteed up, you know, pretty much in anything are great. How many, like, I, you've got the family farm there. Is there, is it mostly like local family farms or is there like a big, like, I don't know, is there like a big Monsanto like corporation or something or is there, uh, you know, what's, What's the farming community like in Walla Walla? So right now there's one big, you know, one big group and then us. <laughs> oh, a couple okay. other people are, you know, they're out there selling, but yeah, there's one big shed that's packing and producing still. And, All right. and then there's us and one other grower that's kind of doing it. And so is there, you know, in baseball, there's an off season. Do you guys have an off season? Is there a time when you're not just working from, from dawn till dusk or, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, when there's snow on the ground. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, because we start actually selling, we sell the, the transplant set to nurseries and people to plant in their own garden. Okay. We start okay. we start selling them in February, and then we'll move into a, a wall wall sweet salad onion, which is just an immature salad onion. Okay. Uh, so, sorry, an immature wall wall sweet, and then we go into the regular sweet. So we'll, we we're harvesting something from February to. So almost October. Okay. And then is there, like, do you grow anything else, or is it just exclusively onions? Uh, we, we grow some local, like, for some fresh produce for our local farmer's market, some lettuce and radishes and beets and things like that. Hey, if you've been uh, to the to the Walla Walla Sweets games, do they have, uh, can you get, like, an onion? Can you just get, like, an onion to, to, to nosh on while you're at a game? Can you get one of the concession you- stamps? You can, but you should be able to. <laughs> That's what I think too. Awesome, Nathan. This has been yeah. this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate yeah. this. I know that you're you're busy and you're out there making deliveries. I appreciate that you uh, took the time to talk to me while you're doing that. I'm hoping to get to a game and I'm gonna come, you know, visit the the Castaldi family farms. Do you guys do tours and such? I will if you show up. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's perfect, <laughs> Nathan. Where can people find the Castaldi family farms online? Um, it's Castelli Family Farms Info dot com. Perfect. We'll put it in the show notes. Nathan, thank you so much, and uh, good luck with all your deliveries and with the rest of the season. All right, thank you. All right, take care. Right. Bye. It is time once again for Studio Simon Stumpers. One of my favorite moments of the week is when I get to talk to Dan Simon of Studio Simon, designer extraordinaire, who brings a 
trivia question to the Baseball by Design podcast every single week. So generous with his time and so much fun to talk to. Dan Simon, great to see you. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you. I just got back from a baseball road trip to two stadiums I had never been to before, uh, PNC Park in Pittsburgh and your fighting fills in at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. So I've never been to PNC Park. It looks beautiful. I would love to get there. I like Pittsburgh very much as a city and uh, would, would like to go there. I'm curious to know, though, uh, what were your thoughts on Citizens Bank Park, which I've been to many, many, many times? Um, interestingly, I went into that with low expectations. My son, Casey, who I went to these ball games with, had been there before. And one of the things he did not like about it is that it is set in basically big parking lots. Um, it's mm. that stadium, the football stadium, and the, I guess, both hockey and, and basketball arena are all in the same area right ne next to each other, surrounded by parking lots. Right. And now the good thing about that is lots of parking. Yeah. Uh, the bad thing about it is it doesn't have the charm of the, the downtown ballparks like PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Right. And so I went in there, like I said, with low expectations. And when we got there, the fact that it was in the midst of these big parking lots didn't bother me at all. And once we were inside the stadium, I actually really liked the stadium. Yeah. So um, uh, our seats were great. Um, it's a really nice ballpark. I, you know what, anytime you've got low expectations, you, <laughs> you, first of all, you can't be disappointed because your expectations were already low. So I actually found myself quite enjoying it. So I had three great friends there who were with me and my son. It was just a, it was just a great day, beautiful weather, um, and the hometown Phillies one. So I, I enjoyed it. A baseball trip as a birthday gift is a great idea. And uh, it just so happens that Baseball by Design's wildlife consultant, Ranger Amy Burnett, and I are celebrating the same landmark birthday this summer. And uh, I think there's going to be some baseball travel around those celebrations as well. So, But we're not here to talk about my <laughs> Phillies. Uh, I'm sure you and I will have a chance to chat about uh, all the concessions that you had, maybe the soft pretzels that you bought in the parking lot, I hope. Uh, in the meantime... We are here to talk about the Walla Walla Suites. You've already been uh, on this episode. We've been uh, chatting uh, with Zachary Frazier about, uh, about this team. And now it's time for you to bring your studio Simon Stumper. I know you say you don't try to stump me on these, but uh, let's let's see what you got. Let's see what you got uh, all uh, locked and loaded here. Yep. Uh, being that they're called studio Simon Stumpers, you there's always a chance you're going to be stumped. So let's mm -hmm. see how you do today. So... Um, the Walla Walla Suites, an onion-themed identity. Uh, we're talking produce. So I looked through the list of current affiliated minor league teams, and much to my surprise, I found only two affiliated minor league teams that have a produce theme for their principal brand identity. There might be a number of alternate identities that might feature some some produce but as far as uh, uh their principal identities only two um this isn't the stumper but you want to get yeah off the top of your head can you name one or both of them the affiliated team that has produce as a logo yeah 
I'm thinking the Fort Wayne tin caps with their Apple, with their Johnny Appleseed Apple-based logo. Okay, that, okay, that, we're going to have to put an asterisk by that because oh. they're technically the tin caps. Yeah. So I would say that the cap is the theme, but you're right, there's an Apple there. So we'll, we'll include yeah. that. So let's say <laughs> now that there are three. Uh, okay. And so we're talking affiliated. So that excludes the bananas, of course. Um, affiliated team. Oh, the nuts, the Modesto nuts. There is one. One more. <laughs> I don't know, Dan, I'm blanking on it. Well, shucks, you didn't get it. What do you, you shut? Oh, the kernels, your Cedar Rapids <laughs> kernels. All right, the kernel. All right, I, so, all right, so I didn't get the kernels right away. You had to, you had to give me shucks as a, uh, as a helper there, but I think, I think maybe I get extra credit for the tin caps. So I'm going to, yes, you, you do. So all, all, all's well that ends well. You, uh, <laughs> you, you, you got, you got your extra credit and the extra credit was worth, um, a big thumbs up from there you your, go. All right. Well, that was so, a bonus stumper. Yep. Yep. But so check this out. So okay. there's only those we'll count them as three in all yeah. of minor league baseball, 120 teams. Okay. But interestingly, four of the 16 teams, I did the math and that's 25% or a wow. quarter, whichever quarter. way you have to look at it. Um, in the summer Western baseball league have produce themed identities. Now, of course, there's the subject of today's baseball by design podcast episode, the Walla Walla Suites. Um, and in addition to that, there are the, and I'm not going to ask you to figure this out because it'll take too much time, but former uh, episode, Portland Pickles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There is also the Wenatchee Apple Sox, speaking of apples. Okay. And perhaps a future baseball by design um, episode, the Yakima Valley Pippins, which would... are apples i would like to feature the pippins i have a great pippins hat that i picked up on a uh, national hat day a couple of years ago well it was a wise uh, purchase on your part as far as I know. <laughs> it's a great um, hat i like that logo very much um, and there used to be not all that long ago a fifth so at one time there were five produce identities in the um western baseball league and that was the klamath and Klamath Falls Gems. Now, I might be pronouncing that incorrectly. It could be Klamath, but I think it's Klamath. But, uh, you know, think spelled like Namath, Joe Namath. So it could uh -huh, be uh -huh. Klamath. Could be Klamath. But um, uh, listeners, uh, get on Twitter and let Paul know how to how to pronounce that, please. I feel like Rob Nyer would know the answer to this question. We got to get Rob Nyer out, out here. Okay, they played in the league from 2001 to 2015, so they were there for a while, and like I said, it, it was not all that long ago since they left, and that leads to our studio, Simon Stumper, today, which asks, what type of produce is a gem, the Klamath Falls gems? What is a gem? Is it A, an apple, B, an onion, or C, a potato? Apple, onion, potato. So the what first popped into my head when you said the gems was potatoes. I am, I'm going to say that if it were an onion, it would have probably come up already in our conversation. I know that apples in the Pacific Northwest are, you know, obviously that's a major part of the produce that they produce. 
Should we say they're ubiquitous? They are ubiquitous there. Apple seems like it should be a real possibility, but it's not what I thought of. I thought of potatoes, and I know that there are also potatoes in that part of the continent. So I'm going to go – I'm just going to go with my instincts on this one and say definitely not onions because we would have brought it up already. And just it, it coin flip between apples and potatoes, my, my hunch, my instinct tells me potatoes. We have already established that um, more often than not, it's always best to stick with your first guess, your first instinct, and that held true today, Oof. you are correct. You are not stumped. You instead get the get a cigar. Wow. So it is indeed a potato known as a netted gem specifically as opposed to just a gem it's a netted gem i have no idea what netted means <laughs> um klamath county or klamath county seven thousand acres in that county are devoted to potato farming um the netted gem was developed by luther burbank in 1874 and not coincidentally it's sometimes referred to as a Russet Burbank. So I guess it's mm. a type of russet potato. Potato. Um, it features shallow eyes and white flesh. Um, it is unknown whether Luther Burbank did as well. And um, it is known for its superb baking characteristics and unmatched French fry quality. As a matter wow. of fact, it is one of the potato varieties that McDonald's uses for their French fries. So there you have it. The Klamath Falls Gems is a potato. I grew up, as you know, in the Philadelphia area, as we've discussed many, many times. And when I would watch the local news, I mean, in particular, I have a, an association of being at, in Wildwood, New Jersey, at my grandmother's house, and we would have like the 12 o'clock news on and uh, the, the Channel 6, ABC, they had they had this gentleman come on the green grocer and he was like this guy who ran a vegetable stand and he was just a regular on on the local news and the green grocer would come on with his like thick philly accent and he would talk about some kind of like vegetable or produce or whatever was in season and i feel like this episode of the podcast has been as close to a a green grocer episode as any i've done so dan this has been so much fun thanks very much and we'll we'll see you again next week I'm looking forward to that. I hope you have a great week until then, and I will catch you later. Follow Dan on Instagram at studio underscore Simon, and don't go looking for Dan on Twitter because he's not there. Not going to happen. <laughs>